There are two things certain in my world right now. Carol Baskin definitely did it, and today we're talking about usability inspection methods. Welcome to Summary and Synthesis. Greetings and how do welcome back to Summary and Synthesis, a podcast focused on user-centered research for technical communicators. I am your host, Emily Kuznar-Laird, emphasis on the ooh. Well, it's week who the hell knows of isolating ourselves from the Rona, which I've been told is not the medical term, but it should be. Shout out to my podcast friends in New York City who've literally been in their shoebox apartments. They paid Midwest mortgages on for just about 30 days now. Stay strong, New York. Stay indoors. Watch Tiger King for the third time. I swear it keeps getting wilder. Okay, so what do I have in store for you today? It's a whole new world, baby, because today we're going from theory to practice. That's right. It's time to get our hands dirty and then wash them vigorously for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face, stay six feet away from everyone and frequently use hand sanitizer. Today, my user research amigos, we're going to discuss usability inspection methods. Whereas usability testing will observe users engaging with a product or system, usability inspection methods don't involve end users. Weird, right? Instead, they involve analysts who will evaluate the product or system and try to locate issues end users might encounter. Today we'll focus on the two most well-known methods, heuristic evaluation and cognitive walkthrough. We'll summarize each and synthesize them a bit against one another and we'll shake in a dash of our previously reviewed authors. Without further ado, heuristic evaluation. Let's summarize. For our summary of heuristic evaluation, I've reviewed chapters three of Usability Testing Essentials by Carol Barnum and a whole slew of online resources. We should definitely give credit to some of these folks, usability.gov, Interaction Design Foundation, Fabio Munez from usabilitygeek.com, Vamzi Bachu from Medium, and of course, Jacob Nielsen, the founding father and OG of heuristic evaluation. Heuristic evaluation was pioneered by Jacob Nielsen, Danish web usability consultant. This smarty pants holds a PhD in human-computer interaction from the Technical University of Denmark in Copenhagen. A quick Google of the guy and he looks exactly like you would expect of a Danish web usability consultant. I could describe him to you, but literally no, your mental image of him is correct. Now, before we jump around too much, let's go over how a heuristic evaluation works. A heuristic evaluation is a review by a usability expert who is going to evaluate the user interface or product based on a set of heuristics in the mindset of locating usability issues. As this method requires an expert, it is also at times referred to as an expert review. And let's be real, the word heuristic isn't exactly common jargon. Expert, on the other hand, is certainly more common knowledge. So an expert is coming in to judge your product based on best practices, which if you're like me, you're a pro at judging. I've done a healthy amount of web consulting in my career and judging user interfaces is truly one of my favorite pastimes. I also love judging people's social media posts, but that's a topic for a different day. 
Heuristic evaluation is an excellent method because it can be performed at any stage during the design process. It's much easier and cheaper to conduct than other user testing research. It's fast to conduct and it can be conducted before or alongside other usability testing methods. So how do you perform a heuristic evaluation? So glad you asked. Conducting a heuristic evaluation consists of three phases, planning, executing, and reviewing. Phase one, planning. In the planning phase, you're going to determine the goals of what you hope your heuristic evaluation will accomplish. What is its purpose? Simply ask yourself the classic question, why am I doing this? I ask myself this often, before performing a web critique or pouring my third glass of Merlot, Establishing your purpose is important. Next, establish who your user or target audience is. Knowledge of the user will offer valuable perspective while performing your evaluation. Finally, define the set of heuristics your evaluation will use and the number of evaluators. Now, I know what you're thinking. A set of heuristics? Yes. So heuristics are often referred to as rules of thumb. They're essentially best practices for problem solving. The most widely used set of user interface heuristics was developed by none other than Jacob Nielsen, yes, our famous Danish usability guy. Nielsen's 10 heuristics are both general and broad, which allow them to be applicable to most user interfaces. Let's quickly go over his 10 heuristics. Number one, visibility of system status. Let the user know what is going on. Example would be breadcrumbs during a survey. Heuristic two, match between system and the real world. Design systems based on familiar ideas and concepts. An example of this would be using relevant jargon to the target audience. Heuristic three, user control and freedom. An example of this would be undo and redo features, uh, maybe pulling back an email after it's been sent. Allow people to make mistakes. Heuristic four, consistency and standards. An example are links that are highlighted or underlined. We heard a lot from Don Norman about standardization, so we wanna bring that into the mix when we're designing user interfaces. Heuristic five, error prevention. Examples of this would be button distinctions between delete and save, or maybe pull those buttons apart, right? This kind of takes us back again to Don Norman. Heuristic six, recognition rather than recall. Example of this, recommend subreddits so you're kind of helping the user figure out what they're going to look at. Heuristic 7, flexibility and efficiency of use. Example of this would be advanced setting options. So you're going to have to understand that there'll be novices and experts using your software. So allowing them to get into those advanced settings to maybe shore things up a little bit better is a great way to enhance usability. Heuristic 8, Aesthetic and minimalist design. An example of this would be Google's search page, which is so basic, it's incredible. Heuristic nine, help users recognize, diagnose, and recover from errors. Humans are so error riddled, so anticipate that and make it easy for them to recover. 404 pages are an awesome example of this. Heuristic 10, help and documentation. So we've all been on websites that offer great help centers, right? They have this amazing forum setup of commonly asked questions. You can search the thing you're unsure of. Adobe's help center is an excellent example of this. Now that we have our goals, understand our target audience and have selected our heuristics, in this case, we're going traditional and using Nielsen's. 
We then must assemble our evaluators. Now, here's the thing about your evaluators. Not everyone's going to be qualified to do this. They will need to understand the heuristics and best practice applications. They'll need experience and a background in evaluating products. Essentially, you're looking for an expert, someone with experience under their belt. Once you've got your evaluators in order, congratulations. It's time to move to phase two, executing. In phase two, your evaluators will independently review your user interface. You don't want them cheating off each other or influencing one another. So as the offspring famously said, you got to keep them separated. Your evaluators now let loose on your interface will review issues found while reviewing or engaging with your interface, problems encountered, and an explanation of why it's a problem sort of the method to the madness. These will typically be reflective of the heuristics set chose. Finally, they'll offer a suggestion for how to fix it. Welcome to phase three, the last step of our heuristic evaluation. In this step, our evaluators will summarize their findings, create a list of usability issues, which they'll provide in terms of severity. Now, severity codes like the heuristics used for evaluating can vary. You can simply say low, medium, high, or as Barnum suggests, cosmetic, minor, major, and catastrophe. This information will all be compiled into a report, which may or may not also include expert recommendations. Heuristic evaluations are a fantastic method to use alongside usability testing early on in the development lifecycle. Jacob Nielsen encourages three to five evaluators for maximum cost benefit because each evaluator is only going to discover about 35% of usability problems. And remember, the evaluators in heuristic evaluation are usability experts, not users. That's why pairing heuristic evaluation and usability testing together is going to form a user experience megazord. Okay. Who wants to talk about cognitive walkthroughs? Me, <laughs> and it's my show, so let's summarize. To learn about cognitive walkthrough this week, I did a deep dive into some pretty expansive literature. First, I started with the founding fathers, Polson, Lewis, Raymond, Wharton's Cognitive walkthrough, a method for theory-based evaluation of user interfaces. Then I built on that knowledge by reading about the evolution of the cognitive walkthrough as presented by, and I'm going to do my best with these names, Mahatney, Sager, and Koski's state-of-the-art of cognitive walkthrough method. Then some informal supplemental reading from Usability Body of Knowledge, the Interactive Design Foundation, Medium.com, and of course, the Nielsen Norman Group, with just a dash of MeasuringU.com. Whew, all right. So let me summarize the cognitive walkthrough method for you guys. A cognitive walkthrough is an evaluation method of a user interface performed just as in heuristic evaluation or expert review without a user. Cognitive walkthroughs will focus on performing a task. This method was originally designed to evaluate walk-up and use interfaces, such as ATMs. So as I go through how this is performed, I'm sure you can connect or see how this was developed for these types of interfaces. A cognitive walkthrough at its core has three parts. Identify the user goal you want to examine. Identify the task you must complete to accomplish the goal. And document the experience while completing the tasks. 
Okay, so like I said, cognitive walkthroughs are task-oriented. This will require us prior to performing the walkthroughs to define what tasks we're going to evaluate. Aside from just defining your task, let's say a user, me, signing into Sephora.com because although I'm not going anywhere or seeing anyone right now, I need retail therapy because it curves my extroverted loneliness and I'm a retail therapy kind of girl. We also, and kind of like I just did, need to define the scenario. It's very St. Amant script theory, but we'll get to that in synthesis. We define the task and we define the scenario. Doing so ensures we've defined our target audience or our user. This will also allow us to define or establish our user's capabilities. Remember, we have to understand our user to understand how they'll engage with our interface. If our user is a technological novice, well, we're going to need to cognitively walk a mile in their shoes, which I warn you have not been broken. Ultimately, what we're trying to define in a cognitive walkthrough is will our user understand what needs to happen and be able to complete it. Cognitive walkthroughs have theoretical foundation in Don Norman's theory of action, which are stages people go through when they're trying to perform any sort of action. Norman's theory of action can be summarized as goal, plan, execute, evaluate, and revision, all in a continuation cycle. We can use Norman's theory of action in designing products or interfaces, but we can also use them in our cognitive walkthroughs. Once we establish the task we're going to test, we establish who will be performing that task. The great thing about cognitive walkthroughs is they don't involve an expert. Anyone in your organization can perform a cognitive walkthrough, but it's best to have someone unfamiliar with the jargon or language and system being evaluated. You want someone fresh, untainted by the previous experiences. We then define the tasks they will perform. Then we'll divide this task into simple processes to follow, so a very skeletal instruction form. While the individual is performing the task, they're going to be answering and documenting those answers to four questions. Question one, will the user try and achieve the right outcome? Does the user have the correct conceptual mode? Is it something they would do? Question two, will the user notice that the correct action is available to them? This question is really about visibility. Can the user see what they're supposed to do? Question three, will the user associate the correct action with the outcome they expect to achieve? Or does the user recognize it's the right action? Question four, if the correct action is performed, will the user see that progress is being made toward their intended outcome? Essentially, will the user get good feedback? Will they understand the feedback? The evaluator is trying to write a success story for the task. If they've run into hurdles while completing the task and they don't really know how to alleviate them, then they're writing a failure story also sometimes referred to as a Lindsay Lohan story. No, I'm just kidding. Once the cognitive walkthrough evaluations are complete, we round them up and put them together into a single report. Cognitive walkthroughs are cheap and easy to conduct. Literally anyone can do them. They can be performed at any time in the design and development process. Heck, you can even perform them on sketches of the product. Now the results of cognitive walkthroughs have been promising 
but not outstanding, with about half of observed user errors identified in the walkthroughs. False alarm rates within this method, however, are quite high, about 75%. When tested, about 30% of errors identified in this method appeared in the comparison data. But the good news is 70% of the most serious errors rated in the cognitive walkthroughs appeared in the comparison data. Cognitive walkthroughs are a useful, easy way to start testing a user interface. They're a promising tool, so promising in fact that over the years, they've evolved into 11 various versions of the original method, and I'm sure we're going to see many, many more. Ultimately, testing your user interface with a cognitive walkthrough is going to offer some valuable insights. It's a great building block toward further user research. All right, guys, that's going to conclude heuristic evaluation and cognitive walkthrough. Let's synthesize. Cognitive walkthroughs are going to focus on specific tasks. Heuristic evaluations focus on the product as a whole. Both, however, are going to be a usability inspection method devoid of users, which is sort of bizarre a world, right? Up until this point, we've heard our authors champion user involvement in usability research. We, of course, can draw back on many of the authors we've touched on so far, so let's try to do that first with cognitive walkthrough. Cognitive walkthrough is about discoverability for the user. One aspect of the cognitive walkthrough is evaluating if the user will understand, for instance, symbols being used to indicate actions which can be performed by engaging with buttons on an app, like holding the circle outline in Snapchat to record a video. Will our user understand how to do this? Social media novices, maybe an elderly audience or even a very young audience might not. Furthermore, and this will take us back to St. Amant's text on scripts and prototypes, we must understand if contextually users will understand. Do phone icons in Bangladesh differ from the United States? I don't know the answer to that, but unless you live in Bangladesh, guess what? I bet you don't know either. Thus, to perform a cognitive walkthrough successfully, we have to have a pretty good handle on our audience, and if this is international, that's going to add another layer to this user research cake. Don't worry though, it's buttercream, no fondant allowed over here. This will also take us back to Don Norman's conversation of design and standardization. We must understand the standards that our users have when relating to their interfaces or different platforms. In looking at who should perform cognitive walkthroughs, we're going to be reminded of Johnson's audience involved, which we covered in a previous episode. Johnson defends his argument for audience involved throughout the product development process, particularly in his example of applied audience involved in developing user documentation for voicemails at the University of Miami. The original documentation for the voicemails was set up by internal developers, so the jargon or language and system instructions weren't set up to effectively communicate with university staff. Thus, this works as an argument when conducting cognitive walkthroughs that the individual performing the walkthrough should probably have some unfamiliarity toward the system or product being evaluated. This is so critical, right? When we do these types of tests, we want to make sure that we're catching these little nuances. 
And we've all experienced them in the workplace when people use acronyms and that kind of thing. And you're left thinking, what are you even talking about? It reminds me of when I was an undergraduate, I got a job as a short order cook which was awesome. I love the energy of the kitchen, still do to this day. But I remember the first day we got this lunch rush, okay? And I had no idea all of the various little shorthand words they use for the menu. So as the ticket started to flood the ticket holder, I'm left staring at essentially hieroglyphics. And we don't want that experience, right? I didn't want that experience, but we don't want our users to have that experience. So what's so great about the cognitive walkthrough is the person using or performing it is going to quickly be able to determine what is not making sense and what is more internal jargon than user jargon. Leah Bewley also discusses the importance of the discoverability phase in user testing. Cognitive walkthroughs offer an excellent first step for understanding, as just explained, jargon which may not make sense to our users. These are easy problems to solve before diving into actual user testing. Steve Krug will tell us about when you're creating a site, it's your job to get rid of the question marks. Cognitive walkthroughs are an excellent practice for indicating some of those question marks and ultimately alleviating them. Krug will also discuss budget playing a major role in a company's decision to employ usability testing. The great thing about cognitive walkthroughs is they can be performed by individuals already in your organization. They're easy to perform and highly cost effective. Now, cost being a factor, let's pivot over to heuristic evaluation. Heuristic evaluations are also incredibly cost effective because they don't involve actual users. They do, however, require the use of a usability expert, someone fluent in the heuristics of usability. Basically, they've been around the block. People like this don't tend to run cheap, which is something we must keep in mind. Compared to usability testing, of course, they're far more cost-effective. Heuristic evaluation takes me back to Don Norman's The Design of Everyday Things and his focus on solving the right problem. When designing anything, it's pretty common to find flaws in the early stages, but we need to understand what the problem actually is. Heuristic evaluation is a great way of determining some problems or hurdles users might run into from an expert or a team of experts who understand pitfalls users face. In our previous episode, we also discussed personas. Personas, if created effectively, can be a useful representation of the target audience. Injecting personas into both cognitive walkthrough and heuristic evaluation could certainly, in my perspective, assist the evaluators in understanding and being able to effectively evaluate the interface and product based on the user. As we continue to explore user research, it's fascinating to see how all these varying methods can work to support one another. Now, please remember, cognitive walkthroughs and heuristic evaluations are excellent methods to testing user interfaces if you don't have users to test them for you but their initial step methods. You'll still want to perform actual user tests to give yourself comparison data and to just see what your users actually want. I hope you now understand the core principles of these methods and can go on to implement them for developing stronger user interfaces. Until next time, 
This has been Summary and Synthesis. Thank you for listening and stay safe.